the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. John Bonet Ramsey, There would be very few little girls as famous as blonde six-year-old John Benet Patricia Ramsey. She was born in Atlanta, Georgia on August 6, 1990, to parents John Bennett Ramsey and Patricia Ann Ramsey. Her name, as unique as it was, was a combination of her father's first and middle names. Her father, John, was a wealthy businessman, and her mother, Patsy, was a former beauty queen. John Ramsey was a smart, calculated, and determined man. He graduated from Michigan State University in 1966 with an electrical engineering degree. Five years later, a master's in business administration from MSU. John was married before. He and his first wife had three children, Elizabeth, Melinda, and John Andrew. But the two divorced in 1978. On November 5, 1980, he married what many considered to be the woman of his dreams, 23-year-old Patricia Ann Paw. Yeah, better known as Patsy. Patsy attended West Virginia University and graduated with a B.A. in journalism in 1978. Just a year before, she won the Miss West Virginia Beauty title in 1977. On January 27, 1987, Patsy gave birth to the couple's first child, Burke Ramsey. Then, three and a half years later, they welcomed their second child, John Bonet. In 1991, the family moved to Boulder, Colorado for John's business, Access Graphics. A little background here. John was extremely hardworking and driven. He was an entrepreneur. He started a computer company in the 80s. Eventually, his company and two other companies merged in 1988. This formed Access Graphics. The company was then sold to Lockheed Martin 
1991. John became the chief executive officer and president of Access Graphics, thus sparking the family to set up shop in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. The Ramseys purchased a 7,000-square-foot home. The address, 755 15th Street, Boulder, Colorado. The home was purchased for $500,000. Some reports state the home is 11,000 square feet, but I believe that would include maybe the basement, balconies, and other areas. We all know how the real estate listing game works. They also did a very extensive renovation on the property as well. Speaking of which, I will do my best impression here. It's a beautiful red brick Tudor-style home built in 1927. There are four floors, including the basement. The basement is made up of a series of small rooms. The home features two staircases, one traditional and one spiral. There are five bedrooms. Burke and John Bonnet's rooms are located on the second story. John Bonnet's room is complete with its own bathroom and balcony. The master suite is above the children's rooms, located on the third story. The Ramses, Patsy in particular, loved this house. The Ramses were riding pretty high, but unfortunately, life is often a series of peaks and valleys. Sadly, on January 8, 1992, John Ramsey's oldest daughter from his first marriage, Elizabeth Ramsey, was killed in an automobile accident in Chicago, Illinois. She was just 22 years old. On December 23, 1992, the Ramseys purchased a 1,731-square-foot vacation home in Charlevoix, Michigan, for $336,000. For those unfamiliar, this is an absolutely beautiful area. Northern Michigan, right along Lake Michigan, absolutely gorgeous. In June of 93, Patsy Ramsey is diagnosed with breast cancer. For this, she will receive exams at the Charlevoix Community Hospital and treatments in Maryland. Now, we're going to go through a pretty thorough timeline for the Ramsey family. Some of these events may seem trivial. However, given the crime that we know is going to occur, these items were included in this timeline because of the possibilities and the suspicions surrounding this case. In 1994, seven-year-old Burke hits his little sister, Jean Benet, on the cheek with a golf club. Well, and let's be clear, this is not a situation where Burke decided, I don't like you and I'm going to smash you in the face with a golf club. This was purely an accident. This wasn't like the time my brother hit me in the back with a baseball bat because he was trying to kill me. I questioned this at first glance because we do know that children, siblings will fight with yeah. one another and they can be quite vicious at times. Plus when they're very young as they would be in this situation, it's an impulsive thing to pick up a club and hit your sister or your brother with it because they did something mean to you first. And Burke only being seven years old, he wouldn't be thinking, if I hit her in the face with a golf club, I could possibly kill her. Right. This could have lasting consequences. However, everything that we could find only indicates that this was just an accident. And believe it or not, in my own life, I have experienced a situation where one of my friends accidentally hit another friend in the face with a golf club. In the face. On the backswing. Because the person was standing too close as the other person was taking a swing. We don't have the details of this specific accident. 
However, again, everything indicates that it was just that, an accident. Right, but it, it was pretty vicious because JonBenet would be left with a scar. A short time later, JonBenet underwent plastic surgery at a surgeon in Denver. This to correct that scar on the left cheek from the golf club incident. In December of 1994, the Ramsey's giant, beautiful home is one of just seven homes in the area to be included in the historic homes for the holidays tour. This is important for a few reasons. Mainly, this means that approximately 1,500 people will participate in a tour of the Ramsey's property and the house. In April of 1995, four-year-old John Benet Ramsey wins the Colorado State All-Star Kids pageant. Now, she will participate and win several pageants. I'm not going to go through all of them, Captain. Frankly, when researched, well, you get a bunch of different information. So I will just stick to the ones that I can confirm or at least have double-checked. October of 1995 was a happy and exciting month for the Ramsey family. John Bonet was crowned Little Miss Colorado Sunburst, and John Ramsey was the winner of the Entrepreneur of Distinction Award. Yeah, but to be clear, I don't think like her whole family was revolved around her winning something. I think it was nice when she won, and they devoted a lot of time doing it, but I don't think it made the family's year if she got some award. Regarding John Ramsey's business, keep in mind Axis Graphics is doing very well, and the company is growing in sales and staff quite rapidly. Then it was Patsy's turn to receive some recognition. This came when the April 1996 issue of Women's Magazine profiled Patsy Ramsey. This article, of course, will include a lot of her personal information, but also a lot of personal information about John and the kids. Then, in July of 1996, John Bonet won America's Royale Tiny Miss. The following month, she finishes second in the Sunburst National Pageant. This pageant was held in Atlanta, Georgia. On Saturday, November 30th, John Ramsey hosts a surprise 40th birthday party for his wife of 16 years. And this is truly a surprise, as her actual birthday is not until December 29th. Mm -hmm. This was a big 40th birthday celebration for Patsy, held at the Palace Hotel in Denver. There's a lot of speculation, though, that she was not looking forward to this time and was actually very upset about turning 40. Then, on December 6th, during the Lights of December parade, John Bonet appeared on her own Little Miss Colorado float. This is an annual parade where spectators enjoy floats created and decorated by local businesses, churches, and civic groups. The parade often includes marching bands, fire engines, holiday carolers, and an appearance by Santa Claus. This takes place in downtown Boulder. In 1996, Burke was in this parade as well. On Friday, December 13th, there is a big holiday party at the Ramsey's home. This is attended by more than 150 of their friends from church. So again, just pointing out another event at their house with a lot of guests. So what we are quickly learning is this is a house that has many people who have been in and is often opened up to many guests over just the few years that they have owned the home. Right. Four days later, on the 17th, the six-year-old was crowned Colorado's Little Miss Christmas. 
This is one of the larger pageants that she has participated in, and certainly an achieving moment. And in hindsight, really kind of just an eerie, weird thing that John Bonet would be named the 1996 Little Miss Christmas. Now, we don't have a date, but I want to make sure that we include this here. There is a report that this took place sometime in December of 96. And this comes from a statement to law enforcement. At some time in December, John Bonet tells a gardener, this is Brian Scott, about her father, John Ramsey. She says, I really miss him, and I wish he was around more. Yeah, he's working pretty hard, probably traveling a lot. And it's later reported that his net worth at this time would be roughly $6.4 million. December 20th was a busy day for the Ramseys on two fronts. One, Axis Graphics had a luncheon party and a celebration for more than 300 employees at the Hotel Boulderado. And two, John Bonet participates in a school performance at High Peaks Elementary School. Patsy attends the performance. The Access Graphics luncheon and the performance at the school are going on at the same time, so Patsy is not present for the business celebration because she is at the school. Now, it's important to keep in mind that one of these events could be tied to John Bonet's death for any number of reasons. Truth be told, none of us really know for sure. Here is an excerpt from the book Death of Innocence, authored by John and Patsy Ramsey. In the book, John says, Early in December 1996, Tom Carson came to my office. John, I want you to look at these figures. I looked up at him, standing at the door with a handful of papers. As best as I can tell, we're going to hit the billion-dollar sales mark in a couple of days. It's a big milestone. A billion dollars. My mouth dropped. I know we were close, but I didn't think we were there yet. It's on top of us, he smiled, probably in a couple of days. I think we should do something to celebrate. I agreed, if for no other reason than to congratulate our employees. A billion dollars in sales and 600 employees worldwide was a big milestone for Access Graphics. One of our public relations people thought we should also contact the newspaper to announce our success. I had a gut reaction that the press release wasn't a good idea. I didn't want that kind of visibility outside of the business. Still, I agreed, since our employees deserved the recognition. Now, I wonder if this publicity might have attracted the attention of the killer or further irritated the person if he or she had a grudge against big business, access graphics, or me. Note John's memory of this party in the book states that the luncheon was held on December 16th. According to the Daily Camera Business Magazine, this celebration was held on December 20th. John did a phone interview regarding the company's success. And on December 21st, the Daily Camera Business Magazine publishes the article on Axis Graphics, reaching $1 billion in sales. All right, so why are we going with December 20th and not December 16th? That's a good question. We have a couple of reasons for that. One, we know that the luncheon and the school performance occurred on the same day. We have statements saying that the performance, the school performance, was on the 20th. And we also have the fact that the Daily Camera Business Magazine article comes out that same year, 
I mean, just the day after the party. John's book does not come out until years later, and he's going off of memory. On December 22nd, John Benet Ramsey is going to be in a beauty pageant in the Southwest Plaza Mall. This is the one that she sings rocking around the Christmas tree, and she has a toy saxophone. Sometime in late December, the Ramsey family sent out their annual Christmas card with the Ramsey family updates for their loved ones. The 1996 Christmas newsletter reads as follows. Dear friends and family, it's been another busy year at the Ramsey household. Can't believe it's almost over and time to start again. Melinda, 24, graduated from Medical College of Georgia and is working in pediatric ICU at Kenny Stone Hospital in Atlanta. John Andrew, 20, is a sophomore at the University of Colorado. Burke is a busy fourth grader where he really shines in math and spelling. He played flag football this fall and is currently on a basketball bench. His little league team was number one. He's lost just about all of his baby teeth, so I'm sure we'll be seeing the orthodontist in 1997. Bonet is enjoying her first year in real school. Kindergarten in the core knowledge program is fast-paced and five full days a week. She has already been moved ahead to first grade math. She continues to enjoy participating in talent and modeling pageants. She was named America's Royale Tiny Miss last summer and is Colorado's Little Miss Christmas. Her teacher says she is so outgoing that she will never have trouble delivering an oral book report. John is always on the go, traveling hither and yon. Access recently celebrated its $1 billion mark in sales, so he's pretty happy. He and his crew were underway in the Port Huron to Mackinac Island yacht race in July, but had to pull out midway due to lack of wind. Can you believe that? But his real love is the new old-looking boat, Grand Season, which he spent months designing. I spend most of my free time working in the school and doing volunteer work. The Charlevoix house was on the home tour in July and will likely appear in one of the Better Homes and Gardens publications in 1997. On a recent trip to NYC, my friend and I appeared among the throng of fans on the Today Show. Al Roker and Bryant actually talked to us and we were on camera for a few fleeting moments. We are all enjoying continued good health and look forward to seeing you in 1997. One final note, thank you to all of my friends and my dear husband for surprising me with the biggest, most outrageous 40th birthday bash I have ever had. We'll be spending my actual birthday on the Disney Big Red Boat over the new year. Merry Christmas and much love, the Ramseys. I I kind of find this whole ritual that people do with the updating of the families, it's kind of douchey. Well, I feel like this is a very upper class, typical holiday thing. Update everybody with a newsletter. I've never and probably will never experience having to put one of these letters together. Yeah. Being just a, a regular blue collar guy myself, what it jumps out to me 
is that episode of Everybody Loves Raymond where they write a bunch of really nice stuff about themselves that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But here, everything that Patsy, and I'm assuming Patsy puts this together as it sounds, you know, she says, I spend most of my free time. It, It really points to her upbringing and how polished and posh she really is. Yeah. And... I, everything that she has put here is true. And it's just, it's just interesting to see how the other half lives. Well, it just seems like they should get into their douche canoe and paddle down vanity river. I've never lived far from family and friends. So maybe this is more common than what I am aware of. On December 23rd, this is just two days before Christmas. The Ramseys hosted a Christmas party with approximately 30 guests attending. And with former journalism professor Bill McReynolds playing Santa Claus, McReynolds was a Ramsey family friend. Probably one of the more alarming details in this timeline during the Ramsey's Christmas party. Mm-hmm. At 6.47 p.m., someone attending the party placed a 911 call, which was answered by police dispatcher Therese Hillary. The caller hung up without saying anything. Police called back, but when they did, no one answered, and the call was picked up by the Ramsey's answering machine. Because of this, an officer goes to the home at 6.54 p.m. The officer knocks on the door and is invited in, and then leaves at 7.09 p.m., this after being assured that there was no emergency. This has made people speculate, was the perpetrator of this crime at this party and calling 911 to see how fast somebody would respond to a 911 call. This is one of those items that you you look at it and you just go, what is going on here? Because as you just pointed out, it could mean something very big to this case and to the investigation. Right. If in fact what you said and what people have speculated toward is true, that means the killer is at this party. Mm-hmm. But, or somebody that worked with the killer is at this party. Right. But you also have a lot of kids running around. Is it possible that one of them just picked up the phone and dialed 911 and then never confessed to it because they didn't want to get in trouble? There is a guest list that you can find online. I have reviewed it myself. Don't care to go into it here as it sounds quite boring to just read off a list of names. The other thing I question, though, too, Captain, is what kind of staff was working this party? Would we have had people helping out, whether it be caterers or somebody answering the door, valeting cars? You know, so it could extend beyond the guest list for whoever called 911. I'm with you. I think that there's a very likely possibility that with all these kids running around, one of the older kids wants to do something funny in front of the younger kids and calls 911 you know, and gets scared and hangs up. Well, and there's two other things. Some people have 911 on a speed dial. So you have people working a party. Did somebody pick up the phone to call? This is 1996. They don't have cell phones. Most people don't have cell phones. So did somebody working the party go to make a call, hit the wrong button, and it speed dialed 911? That's something I couldn't find information from on the internet. The other thing, too, one of my speculations and we'll have to get into this later, is it possible that little John JonBenet Ramsey herself called 911 
because something happened at that party. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. 
Cheers, Captain. And today we are drinking Citra Noel Hoppy Holiday Ale by Columbus Brewing Company. This is an American strong ale, strong enough for even the best holiday parties. ABV 7.3% garage grade, four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. Thank you to everyone who has donated to the Beer Fund in 2019. Happy holidays. And just to be clear about this party, we're not for sure. It's been reported multiple ways that the person playing Santa Claus got a tour of the house from John Benet Ramsey. Some people speculate that happened in 1996. Some people say that happened in 1995. So Bill McReynolds was considered a family friend of the Ramseys and someone that he wasn't just somebody that was hired to play Santa Claus. They, they knew this man on some level, right? He had played Santa Claus at their holiday party before. And as you said, it's a bit confusing on the stories that you hear even over 20 years later, where some people will say John Bonet gave Bill McReynolds a tour of the home at some point during the party on in 1996. Mm-hmm. Some people say that it may have happened in 1995. We also have a situation where it is said that John Bonet gave Bill McReynolds a gift. And he would say years later that out of all the times that he played Santa Claus, out of all the parties that he attended as Santa Claus, that John Bonet was the only child to give him a gift. Again, he's receiving this gift a couple days before her death. So that's something that obviously would stick out to you. Other, And the only other gift that he probably ever got was like maybe a stinky lap from some dirty kid. On Christmas Eve, December 24th, an article appeared in the Daily Camera regarding the Ramsey's Christmas party. Apparently, this Daily Camera is just watching and reporting everything going on in the Ramsey's world. During the day on December 24th, John Bonet played at a friend's home. This is Megan Kostinick's house. And told Megan's mother, Barbara, about a secret visit from Santa. Now, this wasn't just her running up and saying, hey, Santa's going to visit me. There was a discussion had between Megan's mother, Barbara, and little John Bonet. Right. Barbara questioned John Bonet as to when Santa was going to pay her this secret visit. Because we are on Christmas Eve you can imagine the natural conversation that would be had an adult and a small child. The adult is going to say something to the effect of, yes, you've been good all year. And when you go to bed tonight, Santa is going to visit you. And when you wake up, you're going to find all your presents under the tree Mm -hmm. through this conversation. What Barbara would learn is that John Benet explains to her, no, I'm not talking about, you know, she wasn't talking about the traditional visit from Santa Claus as we all know it. Right. Duh. That's already going to happen. She says, no, this is going to be a secret visit after Christmas. Mm -hmm. And of course, at the time, this doesn't seem to be anything out of the ordinary for Barbara. Or strange. Right. It would only be until a few days later that this is really going to set off some alarm bells. Well, and that's what's so difficult about this case is there's so many little points of you can't even call them evidence just points of speculation 
that could mean everything or could mean nothing at all. The other thing too here, Captain, is I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right now that if they did not know of this detail already, their mind is immediately jumping to Santa Claus Bill McReynolds, who Mm -hmm. we just discussed, playing Santa Claus at the Ramsey's home on the 23rd. I think that's a natural fit. We should keep in mind here, though, how many Christmas events has this little girl attended just in the recent weeks? Right. How many Santa Clauses did she come into interaction with? We talked about the parade that she attended, that she sat on the float. The main attraction was Santa Claus. She could have spoke to a Santa Claus there or just somebody dressed as Santa Claus. Right, or a Santa Claus at the mall. or there, Yeah, the mall pageant that she attended. There was the school event. This is the second of the Ramsey's Christmas parties. And who knows how many parties they attended as a family. Right, but let's just say that she spent a little more time than some of the kids with the family friend playing Santa. And he just casually says, she she might have said something to him like, well, yeah, I know you're going to visit me on Christmas, What? but what about after that? And he's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll pay you a special visit after Christmas. Not didn't mean anything, but would mean the world to a six-year-old. Just like the 911 call that came from the Ramsey's home on the 23rd, this mention of a secret visit from Santa Claus after Christmas could mean a lot. It could mean nothing at all in regards to the investigation. On December 24th, later that day, the Ramseys attended the Twilight Service at St. John's Episcopal Church in Boulder, Colorado. Around 9 p.m., John Ramsey retrieves a brand new Silver Girls bicycle stored at a neighbor's home. This is Joe Barnhill's garage. Mm-hmm. And he places it under the Christmas tree for John Bonet. And then both John and Patsy Ramsey get stashed Christmas gifts out from their basement. It's listed here as the basement area and place these under the tree as well. This is interesting for a few reasons. One, it shows that at 9 p.m. on the 24th, both a Ram- both Ramsey adults Both parents went down into the basement to retrieve these hidden Christmas gifts for the kids. Right. Their basement, as we mentioned earlier, is made up of a series of rooms. There's several small rooms in this basement. It's my understanding that the large room was more of a play area. Now, given the size of this home, I don't know that a designated play area means that it was frequented by the children often. Or if it was just a once in a while type thing. Well, their house is very interesting to me because it's so large, but it's so blocked off in little sections. It's almost like a a maze. And also when you see pictures or video footage, when they had the little tours for the houses, the Christmas tours, their house looks immaculate. It looks amazing. But when you see crime scene photos of the house, it looks, every room looks like it's in a disarray. Looks like, to me, I would say every room needs to be cleaned. Every room needs to be organized based off those pictures. So it's a, it's a very interesting house. A couple of quick thoughts here before we move on, Captain. Mm-hmm. Often, you know, this was a home built in 1927. And often when homes are added to over the years, 
they end up looking like that where it's a it's a lot of smaller rooms rather than a few giant rooms yeah and i also wondered and i couldn't find i i know that there's blueprints of this house online and i found like the top floors but i couldn't tell the basement and like you said this house has been added onto but a lot of times the basements aren't added onto so it's, let's say it's a 7000 square foot home well that basement only might be 1500 square feet the reason why i pointed out that the basement was a series of rooms as well as question how often the basement was in actual use by either the parents and or the kids is that my assumption here is that the parents are hiding the gifts from their kids. They could be possibly hiding gifts from one another as well. Right. But just wanted to point out that on Christmas Eve, both parents state that they went into the basement of that home. Now I question how often the children would be in the basement because we're going to have a lot of questions going forward about a very small room that's well tucked away in this basement. Mm -hmm. If the kids don't go down there very often, there's no need to hide these gifts to that extent. They could have just hid them in the quote unquote playroom. Yeah, but it's pretty common knowledge that this room that they quote unquote call the wine cellar is a room that was unfinished. It was to become a wine cellar never happened and that's often where they would hide gifts because that at least that part of the basement we know that the kids didn't go to so we we have do we have something stating that the the gifts were hid in this wine cellar no but what we have from john ramsey is when he was explaining to the police officers this is you know this is what we call the wine cellar but it's not finished yet it's going to be the wine cellar Right now, it's just used for storage, and sometimes we put presents there for the kids. On December 25th, 1996, this is around 6 a.m., the Ramseys wake up. Later in an interview, Pansy will say it was 6-ish, probably. The Ramseys, John, Pansy, Burke, and John Bonet will partake in the normal Christmas morning activities, exchanging and opening gifts, breakfast, and you know, Captain, I feel like the Christmas morning cup of coffee is the best one of the year. I love when the parents stop everything and say, look, we're not opening up anything until I get my first cup of coffee. Right, right. Make them wait. At noon, John is going to leave the house. This is to go and check on the airplane. Keep in mind, they have a planned flight for early the next morning. Mm-hmm. Sometime between 2 and 3 p.m., John Ramsey returns to the home from checking the plane. So the family, with the exception of John leaving for a bit, this is pretty much just a really great Christmas day at home. Now, you had touched upon something just a few minutes ago where you said when you see the crime scene photos, Mm -hmm. that the house is in disarray, that it's just a mess. Well, First off, with my standards, with yeah. two young children in the home and having a big Christmas, I would say a big lavish Christmas because the parents have all kinds of money and they can buy these children all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. One would anticipate to see a mess, especially when they're not hosting anything. You know, they've already hosted their Christmas get together. One would expect to see a mess. However, I do want to point out that there were several people 
close relatives of the Ramseys that stated that the house was kind of always in a mess, even though that the house had a housekeeper and that they had some help that would come in and take care of some things for them. The house was always in a mess. This again, in part, two young children will do that to a home. Right. But messy house, messy mind. I also want to point out that in years past, we have video footage of the Ramsey's Christmas on, I believe it was 1994. And I maybe some footage on 95. I don't know if that was released to the public, but on 1996, what they claim is, I think they woke up and the battery was dead of the camcorder. So that's why they didn't take a video that day. Between 5 and 6 p.m., the Ramseys left their house. This is all four of them, John, Patsy, Burke, and John Bonet. And they are en route for the home of their dear friends, Fleet and Priscilla White. This is for a Christmas party. I've seen this reported to be as early as 4 p.m., but most often it's said to be in the 5 o'clock hour. Now, this is your typical Christmas party. But at an unknown time, the Ramseys leave this party. Right. On the drive home from the party, John Bonet and her brother Burke fell asleep in the car, and the Ramseys made some stops along the way to drop off gifts. This is to... Stuart and Roxy Walker's home, and then to Glenn and Susan Stein's house. Because we don't know exactly what time they left the party and what time these stops took place, we also don't know exactly what time the Ramseys arrived back at their house. Right, they claim it was between 9 and 9.30. We would have several stories about what would take place once the Ramseys arrive at their home. One of these stories says that John put John Benet Ramsey to bed, and then he went and played a game with Burke afterward. And eventually Burke goes to bed. Mm-hmm. The Ramseys later reported to the Boulder Police Department officers that John Benet Ramsey was last seen by Patsy Ramsey in the residence at approximately 10 p.m. According to Boulder Police Department Detective Linda Arndt, John Ramsey said John Bonet was last seen by him at approximately 2200 hours, 10 p.m. Either way, both of these statements put John Bonet as being last seen in her bed at 10 o'clock. Right. And a lot of people think how it went down was they get home. She's still asleep. They don't want to wake her up and John carries her to her bed. That's where he would say goodnight, and then supposedly this is where Patsy Ramsey comes in to check on her and and says goodnight to her as well. John would tell two Boulder police officers separately that he read to both children before they went to bed. Now, later he would deny both of those statements. Yeah, because I've... uh... I've heard him say several times that he carried her to bed and she was asleep when he carried her to bed. Yeah, I just don't know here, Captain. I could see either of these situations being very likely. Kids fall asleep in the car. You don't want to wake them up. You put them straight to bed. It's also Christmas night. You know, thinking back to my childhood, you remember when you get like something super cool, like, like a Super Nintendo or really big gift. Right. And then... Your parents are like, here's your Super Nintendo with a couple of games. 
oh, we got to leave and go to somebody's Christmas party. And you're like, the Nobody last thing right, I want right. to do is leave. So the Worst kids could, could have still been, yeah, they could have still been excited. And when they got home, either situation makes, makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense is that the stories aren't the same or similar enough. Yeah. And I would say, look, if you're Burke, Hey, look at the story. They both fell asleep on the way home. Nine-year-old Burke wakes up, and guess what he wants to do? He wants to play with one of his cool toys that he got. Just like you just said, JonBenet Ramsey is she's six years old. Mm-hmm. And think about the amount of stuff she has done. She, she's been a, uh, in competitions. She's been per, in performances. She's had to be run all over to this family gathering, this friends and family gathering. I'm assuming that this six year old is wiped out. And there is a picture that was just recent in the last couple years released to the public, which is supposedly the last picture of John Bonet that was ever taken. And she looks tired in the picture. And that was taken at the party before they left to go home. So, and also, like I said, early claims from John Ramsey, this is what happened. Later claims from John Ramsey, this is what happened. I'm going to go with that story. Around 10 to 10.30 p.m., Patsy goes to bed. Now, according to Patsy's statement, John goes to bed at 10.03 to 10.33 p.m. What we're basing this off of is that Patsy says... Quote, John came to bed shortly thereafter, then asked, do you recall if it was 15 minutes or a half an hour? Right. Patsy Ramsey says it was probably just a few minutes. So we are tacking on three minutes either way to that statement. 10.03 to 10.33. John and Patsy both claim that they were not awakened during the night. They're both in bed. Yeah, but I heard it reported somewhere. I want to say maybe it was John Douglas that John Ramsey claims that he took some kind of sleeping aid that night. I believe that to be correct, as well as I think that was a pretty regular thing for John Ramsey. Either way, by both accounts, we have both of them in bed between 10, 1030-ish, 1033 at the latest. Yeah, I've not seen any reports. Like growing up when I was a kid, my father would go through and check the windows and check the doors. Now, we didn't live in a 7,000-square-foot house, but I wonder if John Ramsey had some kind of routine that he would check the perimeter of the house. It has been said that he did that night, and it has been said by people that were close to the family and their housekeeper that the Ramseys were, quote, good I believe the quote is actually really good about locking their doors. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because they're not using their alarm system. They have alarm system, but it seems like that was not a common practice for the Ramseys. It would have been at one time. The problem was, or it's been reported as such, that having two little kids in the home, the children were constantly setting off the security system, mm-hmm. which created all these false alarms. And anybody that has a security system knows that those false alarms, they start to come with fines that can get fairly 
fairly steep, right. fairly quickly from law enforcement. Now we move on to December 26th, Captain. Sometime around midnight, neighbor Scott Gibbons says he looked out his kitchen window toward the Ramsey residence and observed that the upper kitchen lights were on and dimmed low. Again, another one of those things. It could mean something. It could mean nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Now, the whereabouts of John Andrew Ramsey, this is John's son from his first marriage. His whereabouts will come into question. So it is important for us to note here that between midnight and 1 a.m., at least three people put him at the home of Lucinda Johnson in Marietta, Georgia. Later, he is at another home, again in Georgia. Just to be perfectly clear here, Captain, these sightings, these alibis for John Andrew Ramsey are 100% confirmed. Right, yeah, they were actually cleared by the police, which they haven't cleared a lot of people in this case, so for them to clear him, that that's important. And we have confirmation of people being with John Andrew Ramsey up until 8.36 a.m. Mm-hmm. At 1 a.m., neighbors Andrew Vermeer and Luke Vermeer, they went to bed. This is after watching movies. They say that... Before they went to bed, all the way up to 1 a.m., they did not hear anything unusual. They didn't see anything unusual. Everything was typical for that time of night. Mm -hmm. According to Boulder Detective Steve Thomas, neighbor Melody Stanton says she heard a scream between midnight and 2 a.m. This seems quite interesting to me. But I do want to take this a step further and point out Mm -hmm. that this same woman did say at the very early stages of the investigation that she had nothing to offer. She did not want to get involved. Then later, she claims that she heard a scream between the midnight hour and approximately 2 a.m. Yeah, I heard what I heard about these screams is that they heard some screams, multiple screams, not just one. But they heard multiple screams and thought, okay, well, surely the the parents of this girl are home because she thought the screams were from a a little girl, that the parents are home and they'll take care of this. And that's why they stopped hearing the screams. Also around 2 a.m., I want to point out that the Whites, regarding the activity at their friends Fleet and Priscilla White, Mm -hmm. everyone including their guests, are reported to have gone to bed by 2 a.m. At 5.30 a.m., John Ramsey wakes up. The family planned to get up early that morning because they were to fly to Charlevoix, Michigan for a family vacation. Patsy Ramsey got up, quote, a few minutes later. While Mr. Ramsey took a shower, Mrs. Ramsey put back on the same outfit she had on the night before. She put on some makeup. And she went down to the second floor and then went down the spiral stairs to the kitchen. Now, there's two different versions of this story. There is one that states that she went to check on John Bonet on her way downstairs and John Bonet was not there. Right. The other story says that she went, she attempted to go straight down to the ground level floor. Now, either way, There on the spiral stairs, she found on a step near the bottom of these stairs, she discovered a handwritten note 
on three sheets of paper laid out side by side that indicated that John Bonet had been kidnapped. Patsy Ramsey told Detective Arndt that she found a note at the bottom of the staircase at approximately 5.45 a.m. She says she read only a few lines stating that John Bonet was kidnapped but safe and unharmed and demanding $118,000 for her return. Mrs. Ramsey immediately screamed and then ran to check John Bonet's room, which she found to be empty. After hearing Mrs. Ramsey scream, John Ramsey ran downstairs and met Patsy Ramsey in the stairwell. Together, they checked on Burke, who appeared to be asleep in his room. John Ramsey then went downstairs to read the ransom note. He told Patsy to call the police. 911 logged the call at 5.52 a.m. like to hear more of the garage all of our old episodes are available for free on the stitcher app and for our other show off the record check us out on stitcher premium join us tomorrow for episode two until then be good be kind and don't let The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.